Make sure to check out the Sunday School video for today. We are continuing to look at the parables of Jesus. Whatever things are true, whatever things are holy, whatever will bring justice in your sight, these are the things we will bring to cherish day and night, whatever things that in your will are right, whatever things are true, whatever things are holy, whatever will bring justice in your sight, these are the things we will bring to cherish day and night, whatever things that in your will are right. God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, master of the universe, Lord of all creation, can it be that we are the people of the There's two different stories that we're going to take a look at. In each of them, Jesus feeds thousands of people. Now, he does this once in Matthew chapter 14 with the feeding of the 5,000 people. He does it again in Matthew 15 with the feeding of the 4,000 people. And both of these times, both of these miracles, it's kind of similar to what Moses himself did. You know, for the, for the past few lessons, we've been kind of comparing and, and looking about how Jesus himself fulfills and becomes what really the entire nation of Israel that was led uh, out of Egypt by Moses, what that entire nation was supposed to be, Jesus fulfills those things. And one of the things that we see uh, done here is that he is feeding thousands of people. It's a very similar type miracle of what we saw during the days of Moses. So let's take a look at these, uh, these two different miracles a little bit side by side and notice how uh, they relate uh, with Moses and Jesus, but then also uh, more importantly than that, what do we learn about it from uh, from these things? You know, what can we learn today? 
Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men besides women and children. So here in this passage, we see that what Jesus is doing is he's once again doing another type of miracle, and there's a lesson in all of this. We see that part of this lesson is that, that Jesus is providing for his followers. And we also find, kind of find out something very interesting here because uh, the response that the disciples say in verse 15 is that, well, you need to send uh, the crowds away so they go to these villages and buy some food. Well, you know, I, I'm, I don't pretend to be an expert about this, but you've got a group of 5,000 men. Okay, we're not counting women. We're not counting children. We're just talking about the men of this group. And you expect them to just go out from this remote place and to be able to go into these villages and, and find enough food? Maybe there could have been enough, but maybe not. You know, have you ever even kind of considered that? I mean, how big were these villages that were around them? Uh, basically, we don't really know, but how many villages during this time would have enough extra food for 5,000 extra people in addition to their own citizens? So, you know, we start to see that perhaps what the disciples were suggesting yeah, it's the only idea that they could come up with. I mean, how else could you feed this large number of people? But God has something else in mind. Jesus has something else in mind. And that's why Jesus says, look, you need to give them something to eat. I find this amazing. I find it so amazing that, that several times throughout the Gospels, what we see God doing, or what we see Jesus doing, is he uses what we have. You know, God asks us to do what we can do. And he uses what we bring to the table, so to speak. And then he himself steps in and he does what we cannot do. That's what we see here with Jesus. Jesus is wanting the disciples to do what they can do. And what they can do is they can gather up this food and they can recognize, look, the math isn't working out. We're not going to be able to feed them. But Jesus still says, you give them something to eat. So they, they do that. You know, they, they recognize all we've got is just a small amount of food. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. So he asks them to bring what they have, and then he does this miracle. He provides this food where really there, there shouldn't be enough to sustain this large group of people in this remote place. But with Jesus Christ, there is always going to be enough to fulfill our needs. And that's how our God is. He asks us to bring what we can bring. He asks us to do what we can do, but then he steps in and he does what we cannot do. We've seen this time and time again, not just during the life of Jesus, but we also see this uh, in the occasions of Moses himself, whenever he was leading an entire nation out of the land of slavery, out of the land of Egypt, and toward the promised land. Let's take a look at a few passages that kind of show us this. The first passage I want us to take a look at 
is found in Exodus 4, verses 1 through 3. Now, this is where Moses is having a conversation with God, and this is, you know, what we call the, the burning bush, and this is part of that conversation. God is actually calling Moses to go and deliver his people. Well, part of that conversation goes like this, Exodus 4, 1 through 3. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I know this might seem like a little bit of a weird passage uh, to, uh, to kind of show you in a, a weird ending. And yeah, I guess it kind of is. But what we do see is that the Lord is using what's literally in his hands right there. This is what Moses can bring to the table. That is this staff. And then God is willing to use that staff. In this case, he's willing to use that staff and show how he has control over that staff. He has control over what that staff actually is, what that staff does. Now, just in case you're wondering, I think most of you already know this, but uh, yes, the uh, uh, God directs Moses to, to pick up that snake. And whenever he does go back to it and he picks it up, it turns back into a staff. God is in control, and that's a lesson that God is showing Moses. That's a lesson that Jesus was showing his disciples whenever he fed them all. God is the one that's in control, and he can provide for our needs. Now, that staff appears several times in the Exodus story, and in our study of the book of Exodus, I kind of pointed out several of those passages, and I want to point out just one other uh, besides this one here on the screen. And that comes to us in Exodus chapter 14. Now, this is whenever they were um, about to cross the Red Sea. And in the midst of that story, this is what God says to Moses. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. The Lord is once again asking Moses to bring what he has. And God uses what he has and what he brings to the table. He uses that. And he steps in and he does what literally Moses would not be capable of doing. There's no way that Moses could part the waters of the Red Sea, but God can. See, we have seen God use what Moses had. Now, let's continue to see wherever God steps in himself and he does what Moses can. We see that right here. Of course, he parts the Red Sea, but there's still more times that that happens. Even after they cross the Red Sea, we see that God is still with his people and he is still providing for them, even though sometimes they might grumble, they might complain, they might have problems with it. Uh, with what God is doing. God still provides for them. God is still in control. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, uh, this is what we see that the people are, are arguing about the, the type of food that they have. They're complaining to God about this food, and then the Lord's going to solve the problem. Verse 4 says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I would test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. This is whenever God provides that manna for his people. He is providing that bread from heaven for all of these people. It's very similar to what uh, this that Moses is doing right here in, in Exodus 16 or what Moses is involved in. It's very similar to what Jesus did, how Jesus fed thousands of people whenever there really was no way. And here in this case with Moses, they need food. They're asking for food. God provides a way for them to get this food. He not only provides manna, but he also provides quail. That's why a few verses later, in verses 11 through 12, this is what we read. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Now they should have known that already. 
and I think most of them did, but they just wouldn't always follow God. Have we learned this lesson though? Have we learned the lesson that our God, he is the Lord, our God, and he will provide for us. Now, I've already pointed out this type of miracle right here with the manna and with the quail is very similar to what Jesus did with the feeding of the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish. It's a similar type of miracle. There's some parallels. In fact, John himself, whenever he records this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, he actually points out some of those parallels. Now, this is one passage, uh, this is one miracle that Jesus does that is actually recorded in all four of the Gospels. There is only really a handful of things that's recorded in each one of the Gospels. And the feeding of the 5,000, it's recorded in each one of them. And this is what John says about it. We're just going to kind of step into his, his story and, and see a couple things there. In John chapter 6, verse 14, this is after the miracle has already been done. So we've already started off by reading Matthew's account of that miracle taking place. This is what John records in verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Now, what they mean by that prophet goes back to uh, that, uh, that Moses was told by God that there's going to be another prophet that's like Moses. And the Israelites, they're waiting for that prophet. And this group right here connects Jesus Christ with that prophet. And that's what we've been doing. We've been kind of making these connections and noticing that Jesus is that prophet that was prophesied that's going to come that's like Moses. And we need to listen to that new prophet. This new prophet is Jesus Christ. Things have changed in Jesus. Jesus is able to have all of this control. And he is this new prophet who is similar to Moses, yet even better than, Mo than Moses himself. And if you keep reading in, in John's account of this, you find out, you know, if maybe this connection was a little kind of obscure, maybe a little bit hidden and, and all, if you want it a little bit more plain, well, Jesus himself kind of starts talking about it in a little bit more plain words. In verses 30 through 35, so they ask him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. By the way, this is after Jesus has already given them this sign. It's amazing that they're still asking, well, what are you going to do? Well, he's already done this stuff. Okay, verses 32 through 35. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure that we, that we recognize that. So verses 32 through uh, 35 here. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is what we see. This is the point of this miraculous feeding of the 5,000 people. Jesus is providing. Jesus himself is our bread of life. He is the one who feeds us. He is the one who sustains us. That's why he says, whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All of our needs will be met in Jesus Christ. Now, they even start picking up on the fact that, uh, that Moses gave bread, and Jesus focuses, refocuses their attention and says, it wasn't Moses who gave the bread. It was our heavenly Father. It's my Father who gave this true bread from heaven. Once again, we see this principle that God asks us to bring what we can bring, but then he steps in whenever we 
can only go so far. and He does the rest. He does. Uh, we can we can maybe be called to do the natural part, but God is the one who does the supernatural part. He is the one who sustains us. He will always be the one who gives us everything that we need. Now, so far, we've just been looking at how Jesus fed the 5,000. But I mentioned earlier that he also fed another group. This time it was 4,000 people. And that's recorded in Matthew chapter 15. So let's turn there and look at that together. Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 through 39. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up to a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. And he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have uh, nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. When he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went into the vicinity of Magadon. So what we see here is a very similar um, miracle as to what Jesus already did before with the feeding of the 5,000. Now this time, of course, some of the details are different. Instead of 5,000, it's 4,000. Instead of the, the exact number of, of uh, loaves and fish, it's a little bit different number. All, some of those things are different, but the same type of thing is happening right here. The same thing is that Jesus is providing for their needs. God is providing for their needs. And God has also promised that he will do the same thing for us. That doesn't mean he's going to produce, you know, this miraculous loaves and fishes and they're going to multiply. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that God will provide the things that we need. Now, also in, in these, these passages right here, you know, we don't need to guess what the point of these miracles is, you know, what, what that point is. I've been kind of pointing it out and, and showing you that, that Jesus himself mentioned some of those things. We've looked at it from John's gospel. We've kind of seen some of this also in Matthew's gospel. But Jesus also tells them, uh, tells his own disciples, specifically in the next chapter. And he kind of uh, brings us all together and teaches them this lesson in Matthew 16. So let's, let's uh, end with that one passage. And Jesus points out both of these two miracles and wants his disciples to understand what's going on. Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking about uh, among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, 
but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus kind of points this out, and he, he actually isn't all that patient with them that they didn't understand this. He says, do you still not understand? He says that in verse 9. And then he just, he doesn't, he doesn't understand how they don't understand. In verse 11, he brings that up again. He's like, how is it that you don't understand? I was not talking to you about bread. Jesus made that statement, but he wasn't actually talking about literal yeast that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, he wasn't saying, okay, look, you need to be careful and make sure that you don't go to someone who's a Pharisee or a Sadducee in order to get yeast to make bread. That's not at all what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to make sure that, that what they are teaching doesn't get within you and doesn't corrupt you. He was talking about those teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus himself was bringing this new teaching. Jesus himself was bringing a new way of life. The disciples were called to follow Jesus. We're called to listen to him and to him alone, to not be corrupted by, by false teachings, but to remain faithful to Jesus Christ, to remain faithful to God. Doesn't that lesson still apply to us today? God will provide the things that we need. But even more than that, we need to make sure that we are constantly following God, that we are listening to the words of God, that we are listening to the words of Jesus, and to make sure that we do not be corrupted by others' teachings, who are teaching some other way other than what Jesus Christ taught, other than what God himself taught. Let's make sure that we remain faithful to God. God has already given us promises that he will remain faithful to us and he will provide the things that we need. Let's follow him every day of our life.